So let's look at the Word of God and look at this little message I hope is a blessing to all of us tonight. The Bible said, 1 Kings chapter 22, beginning verse 1, And they continued three years without war between Syria and Israel. And it came to pass in the third year that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. Now, let me tell you a couple things here. Number one, that makes no sense at all. The king of Israel is Ahab, not a good king. Jehoshaphat was a good king. Of all the kings that they had in the northern ten tribe, part of the nation of Israel, which was called Israel and or Ephraim, there was not the first good king. And if it were not for Manasseh, Ahab would have been the worst. This man to the name of Jehoshaphat was a good king. Not all the kings in the southern kingdom, not, not all in Judah where Judah and Benjamin went together in, in Jerusalem in the southern part of the nation of Israel. They were known as Judah. Not all of them were good kings. Some of them were, and Jehoshaphat was one of the best. So why, when it says he came down, meaning in uh, elevation, anywhere in Jerusalem that you go uh, from Jerusalem, you're going down anywhere. So that's the idea. But there is also a picture in this. Spiritually, he was going down when he went to join up with Ahab in the north. So there's, there's so much in the Word of God sometimes that it's not funny. And it said, And the king of Israel said unto his servants, Know ye that Ramoth and Gilead is ours, and we be still, and take it not out of the hand of the king of Assyria. I don't know about you all, but I think if I would have been Ahab, I would have liked to have more than three years of no war in Israel. Sometime, everybody listening right now say amen. Sometime doing nothing is the best thing we can do. He would have been better off if he had just left things as they were until God led him into something because this cost him his life. And he said unto Jehoshaphat, Will thou go with me to battle to Ramoth-Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as thou art, my people as thy people, my horses as thy horses. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Jehoshaphat had a little bit spiritual uh, insight to him and said now wait listen I want to know two things have you prayed about this and have you inquired of the Lord if not I want to know what the Lord had to say you know I'm thinking that Jehoshaphat ought to have done a little bit of that before he left Jerusalem now that's just me thinking and the king of Israel meaning Ahab gathered the prophets together about 400 men and said unto them shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to battle or shall I forbear and they said, Go up, for the Lord will deliver it into the hand, it shall deliver it into the hand of the king. <laughs> and Jehoshaphat, he's still trying, said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord besides that we may inquire of him? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah the son of Imlah, by whom we may, we may inquire the Lord, watch this, but I hate him, for he doth not 
prophesy good concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. Father, we're thankful tonight for the word of God, the many different truths that you put in here, preserved for us, Lord, and the fact that you told us in the letter to the Corinthians that those things, the Old Testament things were written for our, for our learning, for our admonition. We're thankful, God. We pray that we might hear something from you tonight, that we might learn something, Lord, from you tonight as we look at the men that you have stirred my heart to consider for just a little while. And may we, Father, may we desire to be as they were, the type of men that they were, possessed with the type of spirit that they had, and do, Lord, some of the things that they did, spiritually speaking, so that we might be benefited uh, and you might be glorified. God, just move upon us, stir us, open our remembrance and, and loosen our tongue, God, that I might set forth the word of God in a way that would glorify you again and edify your people. So in the name of Jesus, I pray, and all of God's people said, amen. I'm going to draw our attention back to verse 7. Pick out just a phrase of that when Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet? I want to talk to you about, is there not a man? Now I'm going to pick up some different men that the Word of God uh, introduces us to. Here in the Word of God, in the first one, I'd be a fool not to pick up a Micaiah. Here was a man, friend, that was a true man of God. I mean to tell you, everybody knew his reputation. You know what Micaiah was willing to do? Micaiah was willing to take a stand for the Lord when the odds were against him. 400 men of the prophets of Ahab, no doubt they were fed at the table of Ahab. Listen, you remember those, you remember those that died uh, in, in, in the events of Elijah on top of Mount Carmel in chapter 18 and when they died down at, uh, down at Kishon after the events on, on Mount Carmel transpired. There was not only 400 prophets of Baal died, uh, but there were 400 prophets and a man by the name of Elijah we may look at in just a little bit whipped up on 800 prophets. Let me tell you all something today. It may not be popular to stand for the Lord, but I'm going to tell you it's always been and it'll always be the right thing to do. We need some Micaiahs today that will stand out and speak up for the Lord. That's not easy done. Do you know that? Especially in this quote, culture or cancel culture society that we're in. Now, I don't know if you faced it at your work in, in what I do and where I'm at and who I am and my age. I don't have to worry about that a whole lot. And I'd like to think, friend, if, if I was in a prestigious job in, in the formative years of my life, uh, growing and becoming, I'd still be more willing to stand for the Lord than I would be uh, willing to tuck my tail and run. Listen, folks, we can never do any good by running. We need to stand, and when we've done all to stand, stand some more, especially in these days. How is it? How easy is it to speak up? When you're surrounded by people who are threatening you, I'll be honest with you. You remember last year up at the Capitol when 
all that stuff went on with, with, with that West Virginia for Life rally that we had. It was a little bit intimidating. I mean, it's intimidating, friend. Women are some of the scariest people I know. They'll take a nail and a hammer and drive it through your forehead if they get a chance. I can prove it in the Bible. I could introduce you to a woman by the name of Jezebel, a bell that is the most wicked individual that anybody could ever meet. It's pretty amazing. And besides that, there was a man up there in boots and, and, and a woman's dress, and that was scary too. Amen. Hey, folks, we're in a mess. But thank God that one in 400 had enough spirit about him to discern what was going on, to be in touch with God, and to warn everybody else that would have listened to him that, hey, this isn't a good thing. You need to stay away. And even though Ahab, Abraham said, now listen, I got one man. His name is Micaiah, but I don't like him. And, and you know why? Because he always prophesies against me. You know what? If I was standing there before Ahab, I'd have went, duh. I mean, Ahab, what do you expect? What do you expect in all of your wickedness? What do you, you expect the man of God to speak about you? Not good things. Hey, listen, we've got to do something good to hear the Lord say, Well done, thou good and faithful one day. Now, Mike Micaiah was warned. He was in prison. Somebody was sent by Ahab to go get him. And when, when, when that person went to get old Micaiah, Micaiah, they said, now listen, but here's what you need to do. Uh, let, let me get this guy's name. And, and uh, Zedekiah, the son of Kenah, I don't know how to pronounce that name, made him horns of iron and said, uh, thus saith the Lord to thee, shall thou push the Syrians until the house consumed. Can you see a grown man? bringing him a set of horns in where two kings are sitting on their throne, putting them on his head and, and running around like an idiot and saying, this is how you're going to win the battle. So here comes Micaiah. One of the best ways to confront people is to make fun of them, to mock what they've said, and that's exactly what Micaiah did uh, when, he, when he came on the scene. But look, he got real serious. He got real serious. I'm going to pick it up in verse 13. And the messengers that was gone to call Micaiah spake unto him, saying, Behold, now the words of the prophet declare unto him the, unto the king with one mouth, Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, and speak that which is good. Now listen to what he said. Man, I like this. And I've got this underlined about three times in my Bible. He said, and Micaiah said, as the Lord liveth, what the Lord saith unto me, that will I speak. We need men and women that will decide today, not tomorrow, that they're going to stand on the word of the Lord. Is there? Is there a man? Is there a woman? Is there somebody like a Micaiah that will stand? I believe there is. They may not be as, as many or popular, but listen, friend, we're not in this for a popularity contest. We're in this for the saving of our souls. And hey, newsflash, the further we go in this, the deeper it gets, and the more difficult it's going to be, but the need will never be greater than 
than it will ever be. It's necessary now. The need is great now. But you give it another week. You give it another month. You give it another year. And friend, the need is going to grow exponentially. Exponentially. Let me read a couple more of these and I'll move on. A simple, simple message tonight. He goes on. Let me just continue reading verse 15. So so he came to the king, and the king said unto him, Achaia, shall we go to Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? And he answered him, Go and, and, and prosper for the Lord, shall deliver it into thy hand. And the king said unto him, This is Ahab now, How many times shall I adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord? Wouldn't you hate to have been Micaiah and been brought before King Ahab? He's lying out his teeth. He don't really want him to tell him what the truth is. And yet, that's what he's asking for. But look what Micaiah does. He said, I saw Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have not a shepherd. And the Lord said, they have no master. Let them return everyone to his house in peace. That's what they should have done. They should have laid down their swords, dropped their spears, loaded up their camp, and headed back home. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Can you hear this cry, baby? I mean, that's, that's all Ahab was. He was a king. If you remember, if I get to a man by the name of Nabal, we'll see, we, we'll see where when Nabal uh, didn't give him what he wanted, he went to his bed, curled up in a fetal position, turned toward the wall, and began to cry like a baby. What a king. That tells you something about the... See, I'm about to get in trouble here. That tells you something about the spiritual condition in Israel. Hey, listen to me kind of people we get in the White House tells us something about the spiritual condition in America. He said uh, in verse 19, Hear thou therefore the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne and all the hosts of heavens. And I didn't know I was going to read all this tonight. I really didn't, but it'll be the best preaching I did. By him on the right hand, on the throne and all the hosts of heaven standing by him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who shall persuade Ahab that he may go up and fought Ramoth Gilead? And one said on this manner, another said on that manner. And there came forth the Spirit, stood before the Lord, and said, I will persuade him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? And he said, I will go forth, and I will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And he said, Thou shalt persuade him and prevail also. Go forth and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets. And the Lord has spoken evil concerning thee. Look at here. But old Zedekiah speaks up again. Now listen, not many people are going to want to hear what we've got to say when we're one in 400. In fact, they'll think you're the nut. Can I tell you all something? When I first started counseling, when I took a course in what's called the DSM-4 Statistics Manual, that's the Diagnostic Statistic Manual of Psychological um, abnormalities. I can't remember exactly what it was. And it was in the fourth edition of that time. Just a couple of years before, they still had homosexuality as a mental disorder. Well, they were wrong. It's not a mental disorder. It's a sin disorder. 
And look at what they're doing today. When, when a group of people went before the board of psychiatrists to get it removed, they had zero scientific evidence to get them to remove it. You know what they, you know what they did to get them to remove it? Intimidation and coercion. Look it up. You'll find the same thing that I did. And I'm telling you, friend, look what they're doing today. Look how far we've come in such a short period of time. I'll use a poor illustration, but it'll illustrate it good. Y'all remember that, that, that TV commercial back in the, back in the 60s when, when, when all the lives of the women were going around and they were putting you all in the awful position that you find yourself now in, friend, listen. And, and, and they, had that, uh, they, they had that big long cigarette hanging out that woman's mouth and it was like 100 meters or centimeters or millimeters, whatever it was. And it says, we've come a long way, baby. And you know what I thought every time I hear it? Yeah, you've come a long way, but it's the wrong way. Amen. We won't be understood. We'll be laughed at and ridiculed. But let me tell you what, friend. When we stand on the Lord's side, we stand on the right place. And that's where I want to stand. Hey, is there any men that will stand? Number two, try not to be as long with this one. As well. Let's go back to the 32nd chapter of the book of, of, of Genesis. Is there any Jacobs? Now watch what I'm going to say about Jacob. Jacob was a unique fellow. He was a conniver. He was a surplanter. I mean, I mean to tell you, he, you couldn't trust him. He was always working a con. Maybe I could say it that way. He, he was always doing something to get something over on somebody. And here's the thing about, about Jacob, if he would have just waited on the Lord while he was still in the womb, while he and Esau were battling out in the womb of his mother, Isaac's wife, Rebekah, if he would have just waited until God's timing came forth, God would have given him everything. That God had planned to give him because he said, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. There was somebody come up to a great doctor that was teaching in a, in a school of theology and he said, boy, he said, preacher, he said, I'm going to tell you something. I, I've got a problem with what, what the Word of God says there in the book of Malachi, Malachi, where it says Esau have I, Esau have I hated and Jacob have I loved. He said, what do you have trouble with? He said, I, I have problems with the fact that God said he hated, hated Esau. That preacher, that, that, that teacher looked at him and said, I don't have any problem with that at all. He said, I have a problem with that fact that he loved Jacob. Why would you love Jacob? Hey, listen to me. God not only sees what we are, but he sees what we can become. But we've got to do some things to get there. Now up to this event in chapter 32 of the book of Genesis, According to my consideration, about everything that Jacob did was wrong. He stole his brother's blessing. He joined with his mom to deceive his dad. And he left, he left the, uh, the promised land to go to Haran where his mother's brother Laban, which was a better conniver than he was. Now listen where his mom thought that he would spend just a few days and come back home. Let me tell you something. You remember that old adage? We don't hear it much anymore. Sin will take your father than, than you wanted to go. 
cost you more than you wanted to pay, make you stay longer than you wanted to stay. How true that is. Do you know what? I believe Jacob thought, all right, Mom, I'll see you in a couple of days. I'll be back shortly. And, and, and listen, before he came back, 20 years had passed. His mother had died, and Laban had lied to him like a dog. Another application. You know what the Bible says? The Bible said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. If he soweth the flesh, he shall of the flesh reap corruption. If he soweth the Spirit, he shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And old Jacob, listen, friend, he was a supplanter. He was a conniver. He was a con man. But he had an uncle that was better at it than what he was. You say, how good was it? Strange kind of mess. I don't normally preach like this, but I'm enjoying the life out of it. I hope you are. Anyway, he went up there. He's going to get married. All right? Laban said, okay. said, who do you love? He said, well, I eat Leah and Rachel. So I love Rachel. On the night of his wedding, when he went to his dark tent, he thought he was going to find his wife, Rachel, and Daddy Laban sent Leah. Surprise! Now, I've wondered about that a lot. Man, there's so many questions in my mind about that, about, uh, about the whole thing. Maybe I'll get it all straightened out in heaven. But he served. But he, You see, Laban had him tied up. He said, I'll serve you seven years for Rachel. And then after he got Leah instead of Rachel, Laban knew that he loved his youngest daughter. So I'll give her to you too if you'll serve me for seven more years. You see how sin is? Well, it came time for him to go. And look now, Jacob and Esau. Jacob, when you listen to him or when you read about him in the Word of God, it's referring to his nature. We'll show you in a minute that he got a new name and what that means. When it come time for him to head back home, God gave him a plan. He got back at old Laban, left Laban, Laban poor in an old Job's turkey. Pretty much stole about everything that he had. Now I wonder how that laying certain kinds of sticks in a feeding trough where cattle are, are drinking, how it, can, how it can affect the kind of babies they're having. But I don't know X's and Y's, chromosomes and genetics, so I'll just trust that the Lord did a miracle there. But anyway, he said, look, Laban, I've got to go. Laban said, oh, I kind of hang on. Gotta hang. Well, anyway... Laban went out of town. Jacob said, all right, girls, get your stuff together, never knowing that Rachel was going to take some idols of Laban, put them in her own tent, and they got out of town. I believe with all of my heart, had she not took his idols, he would have never come after them. That's just my guess. But anyway, he caught up with them, and uh, they made an agreement. In essence, Jacob said, Laban, you leave me alone, I'll leave you alone. Laban said, you've hurt me too bad now, you're better at this than I am. That's agreeable, so they set up a stone and they parted ways. But here's where I wanted to get. Jacob was heading back home. Hadn't seen Esau for 20 years. And you know what Esau said? Listen, he said, listen, big brother. He said, the next time I see you, you're a dead man. It's just that simple. Just that simple. Well, 
they got to a place where there was a brook called Jabbok. And they met, and this is the second time I believe it is, they met a, they met a band of angels. See, I don't understand that. I wonder what was behind that. I wonder what God was doing. But I want you to know something. It got old Jacob's attention. He heard that Esau was coming. He got so nervous he didn't know whether to spit or wind his watch. And you know what he began to do? He did what he'd already He began to formulate a plan. How can I control this? Did I say tonight sometime or another in this message, sometime the best thing you can do is do nothing? It just simply let the Lord do what he said he'll do. You, it, it, I'm on good solid ground. Didn't the Bible say when the children of Israel between a rock and a hard place, literally, when the army of Israel is behind the Dead Sea in front and God told Moses to tell them to stand still and see the glory of God. When we put our hand to things sometimes, try to formulate a plan, we can mess things up, not just for a moment, but for a lifetime. Amen. That's pretty good preaching right there if I do say it. So anyway, old Jacob said, here's what we'll do. He said, I'll, see, I'll send Brother Esau a gift. So he cut out of, his, out, of his, out of his flocks of cattle, out of his folds of sheep, and out of this he sent cattle, sheep, everything that he had. Wanting to make up with him. Wanting to appease his brother. And he didn't know that God had already spoken to, uh, to Esau. See what I'm saying? And he said, well, you know what? He said, I'll tell you what. He said, if he don't accept the gift, here's what I'll do. Leah, you get your kids ready and get on across the river. Rachel, you pack up the tent and all of your stuff, and you get over there behind Leah. And I'll stay on this side and see how things go. Well, now wait just a minute. There's a message here. You know what? There's sometimes we got to get alone with God before God can do with us what He wants to do. Sometimes, listen, this generation, your generation, and it's even affected my generation. Where do you all go where there's science? You, you go into a doctor's office and they got, they got big screen TVs. You go to a restaurant, they got TVs and music. You go in a store, I don't care where you go, it's busy. I mean, they got in a car they used to have. Y'all remember when it went from radio to 8-track? I mean, wow. Y'all have no idea how cool that was, do they? Went from 8-tracks to, I don't know, cassettes and CDs and, and USBs and thumb drives and wireless and all of this. Hey, there, there's always noise and God said in the Word of God, be still and know that I'm God. So let me take a minute and, and walk us down through this. There are times that we got to get alone with God. And it's amazing how God will take advantage of a situation. Look what it said, pick it up in verse 24 with me. In Jacob in chapter 32. And Jacob was left alone. Now watch this. You, you often hear it written or read that, that Jacob wrestled with an angel. But listen to what the word of God says here. He was left alone and there wrestled, there wrestled a man with him. Jacob didn't institute this. This man, who do you all think that man was? He was the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, just as sure as I'm standing here. 
a man, the man Jesus, and he wrestled with him into the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not, meaning the man, and we know he could, but listen now, he was giving credit to Jacob. He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And here's the message. We need men like this. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Listen, friend, we need men. We need men that will hang on until they get the blessing. We need men and women that are willing to wrestle with the Lord and say, do what you will. I'm not giving up until I get the blessing. Let me ask you all something. How quickly are you to give up on your prayers for something or someone? If Phyllis Wolf were here tonight and Roy Wolf was with her, I'd ask her how many years she prayed for Roy. And I'd, I'd ask her, say, are you glad you prayed that long for him? She'd say, yes. I'd say, Roy, are you? And he'd say, yes. There's somebody, and somebody famous said, look, it's always too soon to quit. And you know what? I imagine by the time daybreak, I don't know how many hours they wrestled, I don't know how many minutes, I don't know how long this was, but I take it as a good long while. Wrestling is hard stuff. And when we wrestle with the Lord, when, when we earnest in prayer, do y'all know prayer is hard, some of the hardest work I've ever done? But it's worth it. Listen to what he said. He said, I'm going to let you go except you bless me. And listen, here's the good stuff. He said unto him, what is thy name? Now, you know what? If he hadn't been honest, I don't think God would have went any further when he said, my name's Jacob. And, and look, his name says it all. And he said, Jacob, and he said, Thy name shall be no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince thou hast power with God and with men. Is there a man that'll be willing to hold on till he gets the blessing? Let me give you one more and I'll quit. I've got more, but I'll just give you one more. Let's go to the book of uh, 1 Kings, chapter, 2 Kings, chapter 1. Y'all, y'all. Y'all know this story. I'd like to know the number of messages that have been preached about Elijah and Elisha. Great men of God. Great, great men of God. One of the greatest passages of Scripture, and I can't remember exactly where it's at, I'll quote it though, that's in here about Elijah, says that he poureth water on the hands of Elijah. That doesn't sound like much, does it? God took note of it. You know, what, you know what that means? That means so many things. Two things I'll just give you right off, right off the top. Number one, it meant that he was submissive. And it meant also that he was willing to serve. I want to tell you what I can, I, my, if it's my contention, contention that nobody's able and really qualified to lead till they've served. Till they've learned to be submissive to someone else they should not have think somebody ought to be submissive to them. Elijah, Elisha and Elijah met one day when Elijah was coming back from Mount Carmel. God had told him, said, now look, 
buddy, you're not done. He, he, he wanted to give up. I mean, he was dog tired. I, I mean, he lay under a juniper tree south of Jerusalem, just ready to die. Y'all remember the story? God sent him to, uh, to Mount Horeb, no doubt, left him there for uh, maybe 40 days, met him and fed him two different times, bread and water from heaven. And when he got to a cave, God called him out of the cave and, and said, in essence, I'm not done with you, buddy. He said, you need to anoint a king and you need to find somebody to replace you. And you know what he found? He found a man by the name of Elisha. And look, I like this. When he found him, he found Elisha. He was plowing with the 12th yoke of oxen in a field. Now, I love this picture. When Elijah went by Elisha, he just took his mantle off and throwed it over his shoulders. You know what I believe Elisha did? I believe he went, whoop! I mean, I believe he felt something on that mantle. When he felt that, he was saying, I'm done plowing. I'll, I'll not be back. I'm following this man. Don't care where he goes. Don't care what it costs. Hey, I want what he's got. And here's the point of Elisha. When I get it, I'm not going to change a thing. Is there a man today that will receive what other men have been given and just determine that he's going to preserve it so he can pass it on to other men too? We need men like that today. We're living in a generation, and, and look, we're, we're in the millennial generation. What's the other ones behind that? Anybody tell me? The Z generation? One of those generations... It is Josh, if he were here, and you know he's preaching, is he the millennial generation he is? Are y'all the millennials? Is that, you all like new stuff, right? Well, you all don't so much, but your generation in general, right? Right? I mean, it's new. You, you, I like new things. I like a new car smell. I can't afford to get it, but I like it. Uh, I like new things, but can I tell you the problem with new things? They get old. And if that's what drives you, you, you lose interest when something that was new becomes old. That means you've got to figure out something new to get. So it's never in. You're in a trap. It's always unfolding. You're never satisfied. Continually. Look, we need some men like Elijah. Y'all know what Elijah did? He said, look, Elijah, if you give me a minute, I'll slay these cows, I'll cut up the wood, I'll make a feast for my parents, and listen, I'll build all my bridges, because when I leave with you, I'm not coming back. He said, okay. So Elisha began to follow Elijah. And it came time for God to call Elijah home, not in a, not in a chariot of fire, but in a whirlwind. If you read that, he went up in a whirlwind. A chariot of fire separated them, but he went up in a whirlwind. That's what the book says. Read me out. Well, they started one day. They were at a place called Gilgal. And all of these places, these four places will preach. You've heard me preach them. When he got from Gilgal and went to Bethel, there were some prophets there. And... Uh, or, or there, there, there were some prophets at Jericho. And, and when he got there, Elijah said, No, Elijah, you stay here. I'm going on. Elijah looked at him and said, Look, where you go, I'm going in essence. I, I'm not leaving until I get what I want. 
They went to Bethel, to, uh, to Jericho. From Jericho, they crossed Jordan. And when they, listen, got to Jordan, oh, oh Elijah took that man off. And if you read this right, if you, you look at it, he folded it, and he smote the water, and it separated. They went over on dry shot. Got on the other side, I believe the water come back together. The prophets were looking long distance. None of them went. Man, I'd have wanted to went with them two guys. And as they were talking, in the book of 2 Kings chapter, where, chapter 2, Elijah looked at Elijah. Elijah looked at Elijah. This may sound easy, but it's hard to keep him. Elijah looked at Elijah and said, Look, what do you want? What would you like to do? Anything you ask, he said, it, it, it'll be given to you. And listen to what he said. Well, where is it at? Thank you. Sometimes I look at things and I can't see them for seeing it. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I take away from thee. For I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee let me let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be done unto thee. But if not, it shall not be done. And so it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire, horses of fire, and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Now watch this. And Elijah saw it and cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his clothes and rent them in two pieces. You, you know what I believe he's saying? Now, renting the clothes in those days showed great grief. I mean, I mean it, it was the bearing of a man's soul. It was serious stuff to rend your garments. But it's also a picture of something. You know what Elijah was saying? I don't want anything more than what he's given me. I don't want anything new. Now watch. He said he took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him, went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Is there a man that is willing to just simply take what God has given and keep it and maintain it and not try to change it, just present it, just want more of it? You, you know, I'll say this, and I'm about done, Miss Judy, if you want to start playing. I remember certain people in my life, you've heard me mention their names, my grandmother Walker. I thought, boy, if I could just pray like Mama Walker. I'd hear Papa Gerald sing tenor, and I thought, boy, if I could just sing like Papa Gerald. I'd hear Seth Peters sing soprano, and I'd think, man, if I could just sing like Seth Peters. I, I mean, I'd... I'd I'd hear old Bob Workman preach, my spiritual mentor, Horace Sitton preach, and I'd think, man, if I could just preach like they preach. I'd hear somebody testify like maybe old Rody Snyder, and I'd think, man, if I, anybody else like that? I'll tell you what, you know what? I didn't want to change a thing that they had. I just wanted what they had and more of it. That's what, that's what we need in this day. We don't need anything new. We just need young men and women, and we've got them here. This is an amazing bunch of young men and women we've got here at Roxalana. Y'all do know that, don't you? 
Absolutely. I got asked a question by one of them today that was just showed maturity like nobody's business. I didn't tell them that, but I am now. It was an amazing, amazing conversation. We just need somebody to pick it up. Look, look what he did, and I'll close. Strange message, poor message probably. But he took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood to the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the God of Elijah? Now notice what's absent there. It says nothing about him folding it. You say, why? I'll give you my rationale. Elijah said, Elisha, what would you like to have? And Elisha said, I want twice of what you've got. I want a double portion of your spirit, my friend. He had seen enough from him, heard enough from him, been around him enough. He may have not understood it, but he said, I want exactly what you've got, just twice as much. And he did perform two times the miracles that Elijah did, according to the record of the Word of God. So when he got back to the bank, he put that mantle up. He didn't fold it like Elijah did. I believe he was testing God out. I believe he was saying, I wonder if I got this or not. Then he took that man and went, the water began to part. Is there a man like Elijah? Just wants more of God on him, nothing new. Just more of the old stuff, just more of the stuff that worked. He knew it worked. Remember, he felt the power of that mantle. I don't know how long before that. I'll have to see if I can figure out how long, how many months or years before that. Is there not a man? That's what Jehoshaphat. Listen, God's always had men and women. He still has them. And he's still going to have them. Let's determine tonight that we're going to be one every head down. Father, I'm thankful. Thankful for the Word of God and the record of unique men, Lord, great men and women in the Word of God. Some of them, maybe all of these, Lord, that I mentioned tonight, maybe not by name, they're included over there in that roll call of faith, Hebrews chapter 11. Father, help my faith to grow. Help my faith to be strong. Help my faith to be what it ought to be so that I can, Lord, just, just stay with it till I get the blessing. Refuse to give it up. Be willing to stand, Lord, when all the odds are against me and when, when it's not easy to stand. Help me to stand for you. Proclaim the truth, even though I'll be understood or even though I'll be maligned or whatever. Help me, help me to stand where great men in the past have stood. Help me, Father, to be like an Elisha. I'm like none of these men. Lord, they're flesh and blood just like me, but so small compared to them when I see them as I do in the Word of God. I want to be like them. Help me to be. Even a Nabal that I didn't mention that decided that the heritage that he got was better than something that the king, an earthly king, could give him. He had been given something by the king of kings and he wanted to hold on to it. Lord, help us in these last days. Just like Paul said, I mentioned it earlier in the message, when we've done all to stand, to stand. We'll praise you for it. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's stand and sing. If you need to pray, want to pray. If you want to emulate one of these men, some of these men, or